We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. It is Tuesday, November 2nd, the afternoon after the Timberwolves lost to the Orlando Magic on Monday night by 18 points. I would say probably the, the low point of the Timberwolves season thus far this year. Uh, Britt Robson of Mid Post is my guest this morning, got up early, wrote a column on kind of the carnage from that, but also. Reason for optimism, Britt, on on why this isn't necessarily same old wolves, even if if part of it feels same old wolves. What kind of went into your thought process behind writing that piece this morning? Well, I think defense is more reliable than offense. I yep. think they, you know, they they as Chris Finch acknowledged last night after the game. This was really the first time this season where the team's terrible offense bled into their defensive intensity. Um, and I think that had to do with panic, quite frankly. I think if there is a reason why you would be pessimistic about this Wolves team, it's because they still have zero poise when they need poise. Um, even in games that they pulled out that were close against the Pelicans in the first matchup and against the Bucks, they had moments where you could just tell they collectively seized themselves by the throat and needed, uh, uh, you know, the ball to go in, um, whether it was an ant drive or whether it was a, a, a Pat Beverly steal and, uh, you know, feed to ant for something, just some something positive to happen. Um, but it felt uh, like a lack of poise. Now, the positive aspect of this is if you get stops, um, it's it's. I think it's easier to lose your poise on offense. You begin to feel like uh, everything is on you. Certainly, that's what all of the big three do. Cat and right. and Delo all begin to think I need to be the guy to make the big shot or the big pass. Sometimes it's just a stupid pass because they're being ostentatiously unselfish, which is stupid. Um, and so, but defense locking people down on defense, um, 
is something that they now know how to do better than they've known since Rick Adelman left. Uh, even the Tibbs teams did not play defense with the uh, rigor that this team plays them. Um, and so that's a positive. And then on the flip side, the offense, given the personnel, really can't get much worse. True. Uh, I really think we're at a stage now where um, D'Angelo Russell simultaneously has the lowest true shooting percentage and the highest turnover ratio of his career. Um, there's nothing to really explain that, I don't think. Uh, I don't think D'Lo was unhappy with his situation here. I think that uh, he's got two good teammates that he can dish the ball to. He's the clear-cut starter. He doesn't have the Ricky Rubio shadow anymore. Um, he's healthy, theoretically, until he sprained his ankle last night. Um, and he's extremely important to the fortunes of this offense. When he was hot in the first quarter for the lone time this season, the Wolves' offense was rejuvenated and pretty much sustained for most of the game off that initial push. So I think it's inevitable that he will play better, um, at least on offense. He's, his numbers on defense are either actually remarkably good. And then Cat, um, I think there's been some issues in getting Cat the ball, and I think that some of those are just the normal course of you know working things out. And then there's Ant, and Ant's shot selection, quite frankly, is horrible and uh, uh, a crime against common sense. Um, he's seventh in the NBA in three-point attempts per game. That's just <laughs> ridiculous. He's a career 32.7% shooter. This year, he's 30.9%, and he's jacking up over nine trays a game. So, And a lot of those shots are like his, his now patented – running to the left, fading away for a three. I mean, I don't know what the odds of that thing going in are, but um, I know it's a lot less than Ant going toward the hoop. Right. So let's let's unpack a couple of those things. I, sure. I what, what I've kind of been on today, and I was just at Wolves practice, and I, I asked Finch about this as well, but there's this prevailing optimistic belief with the Wolves right now that their offense is, as you said, you know, Things are going to turn and it's it's going to get better because you have so many players shooting so far beneath their, you know, that's what Chris Finch said, their, their normal three-point percentages. I think the main guys, right. you got Malik Beasley at 32.5%, Ant at 30.9%, like you said, Jade McDaniels at 17.6%, D'Lo at 28.9%. Yes, like to some end that is obviously going to, to come up. But what I've been thinking about or was looking at today is the fact that the Wolves' opponents are making even fewer threes than the Wolves are through these six mm -hmm. games. The Wolves, as a team, have made 31.8% of their threes, which is not good. That's 23rd in the league. But their opponents have made exactly 30%. And that's after Orlando hung 40% on them last night. So I just think part of, and I'm not trying to take away from the optimism, I, I talked, like, I had a very similar sentiment to my pod last night reacting to the game to your column, but we need to acknowledge that too here with the defense. And I can't, I can't totally put my finger on what I feel the defense is because we do have to acknowledge that one, the opponents they're going to play are going to be better going forward. And two, just progression to the mean 
is going to lead to some of those opponents shooting a higher percentage. Now, all that said, the Wolves are third on defense, and they should be proud of that. Chris Finch said he was proud, you know, was proud of that today. He said, I don't know if there's much else we can really wring out of what we've been doing defensively. And I and I agree with that. Um, I just I think it is, and I don't know if anybody believes this, but I think it is very unrealistic to think that this team can maintain being anywhere near the level of defense that they have been thus far this season. Well, I mean, scouting will catch up with them. And quite frankly, um, the rotations will catch up with them unless Finch wants to change the identity of this team. I mean, one of his signature comments in Vegas during summer league is we are who we are. Mm -hmm. We're a great offensive team that just needs to get by on defense. And if you notice during this like 11 man rotation, when he breaks the, you know, the classic order of it, it has been emergency offense. It has not been subbing in for defense, right? More Malik um, Beasley, more Nas Reed, more Jordan McLaughlin. Those have kind of been the yeah emergency offense buttons pushed. And so he prioritizes scoring. Um, he thought going in that his scoring would be fine. Um, we all did. I don't we understand. all did. I mean, well, exactly, right. exactly. Well, I mean, uh, how could you not? Uh, and I do think, again, that the defense has been a blessing. I also know, you know, this. I prefer this, but I know I'm really in the minority. Give me, you know, there should be a rule that either Vando or Kogi is on the floor at all times, just like there's a rule that one of Ant, Cat, and Delo are on the floor at all times, because having that disruptor in the game, especially when Pat Bev is, is there as a balanced guy who disrupts but also can score and, and settle down a team, um, I think is a really important component. But if the stars are not going to come through, that is a that's a bite your nail kind of thing for Finch because it just he has an expectation right. for this team that he does not want to 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 he doesn't want to leave um the identity on the table during a close loss. He wants to have what he regards as his best chance to win in the game, and he is still of the faith that that best chance comes through outscoring the opponent. You heard him last night. I mean, right. for a guy whose team just totally shit the bed, he was remarkably calm in terms of going forward. Pretty much what he said is these guys are just going to start hitting the shots that they're missing right now. And he didn't say we'll be fine because let's face it, it was really an epic meltdown, but he was not as concerned or even apologetic. If you think of it in those terms, uh, he wasn't, you know, uh, saying to the fans, you know, we put forth a lousy effort or ta-da, ta-da, ta-da. He was basically saying, we kept missing a ton of shots, and that's why we lost. And then because we kept missing, finally we, we let go of the rope on defense. Um, I don't think that's necessary. I think it's a rosy way to look at things, but I don't necessarily think it is all that inaccurate. And so... You know, it is a matter. It's a make or miss league, and the wolves are missing and missing and missing. And to the to the to your point about uh, 
three-point percentage, I grant you that, but I can also tell you that yeah. putbacks and putbacks and paint points are right. definitely not going the wolves' way. So, you know, if they continue to do it this way, uh they'll be lucky to get to the Vegas 35 win line, you know, and, and yeah, and so no, I, think, I mean things are things are going to change in terms of the way the wolves are shooting. I what I kind of got caught on last night, what I started thinking about was you know, this kind of feels like what it felt like two years ago when the Wolves were starting Trevion Graham, you know, Josh Okoge playing Jarrett Culver a lot. And you're laughing right now, but but that was, you know, that was the crux of the issue with the with the Wolves. And it granted it was for a much bigger sample than six games over the course of the year, but those guys could not be relied upon to hit 30% of wide open three-point shots over the, over right, the course of the year. Important, important caveat. You had Cat, who was your second best scorer on that team? Wiggins. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not. I'm Mr. not even, efficiency. I, I'm this. I was about to go go positive with. It. I mean, I, I think right. like I remember thinking that season when you you have guys who cannot make thirty percent of threes around Carl, the the logic that Carl positive. Oh, I need to make the the right basketball play. I need to make the pass. I don't need to be forcing it through two double teams. I thought Carl was wrong in that instance because it was just, I think the reality of the situation is Cat going through a double team was better than kicking it to open Jarrett Culver. Right. Now, the the numbers this year would say it's the same likelihood that Culver makes right, a three right, as right. Beasley makes a three. That's right, right. We know enough about shooting talent on this team that it is going to be better than that so that Cat should continue to be making you know, the quote unquote right basketball play. That's what he said he's going to do last night when I asked him about it. Um, so so I, I, I like that, but it's it, like anything. It's this compromise where that is true. Those guys are going to make more, but Cat has to shoot more at the same time. And and figuring that out is, I believe, is the biggest. Where we're it, like the biggest thing, I guess, is just making the threes. But the solve that Chris Finch has to make is how to get Cat to be a higher usage player on this team. The, to some extent, the Wolves just hitting or missing open threes is out of his control, right? What is right. in his control is the way in which he uses Carl Anthony Towns and amongst right. other players. And and that's what I've kind of been assuming in these last like two or three games that we would have a Cat shoots 25 times game. And that's that's not happening. And I wonder... I wonder if in Chris's head, he thinks that would be an overcorrection to try and go all the way through Cat, but it would likely lead to more a, a, a higher chance of them winning the game. So, right, I don't, I'm not sure exactly well, where I said on that. Well, you know, we oftentimes say that defense is on a string, right? Right. I mean, if if, if guys are playing really good defense, they're playing really unified. It's less obvious, but still true that offense is on a string. And if you have a couple of guys making shots, the floor opens up for everybody. And I think what has happened with the Wolves, especially with D'Lo missing, because D'Lo, I mean, the dirty little secret on D'Lo is he likes to get himself off first, and then he'll go for other teammates. But D'Lo kind of likes to put up about four or five shots in the first eight minutes. That's who he is. And so when he's missing, all of a sudden, once these guys do get the ball, 
you know, the team is, they, they, they collectively know they're not playing good defense and they begin to look at the floor differently. They look at their own skill set differently. Um, cat being cat begins to, uh, imagine himself as the unselfish playmaker in this situation, rather than the guy who is the best shooter on the team by a country mile and, you know, needs to do that. And seems to think that, you know, he can showcase his three point shot rather than getting to the rim. I mean, all these guys need to move the ball, the subsidiary guys, not name the big three need to prioritize that ball movement rather than taking shots themselves, particularly Vando and Okogi and uh, even McDaniels. I was going to say, I, it's getting McDaniels in that. that well, too. and I will tell you, I mean, one of the things I will give McDaniels credit for is his shot selection is superb. But after a while, superb shot selection that stinks is <laughs> Trevion Graham. That's Trevion Graham. <laughs> That's true. You know? And so you, you, if you're shooting like Trevion Graham, Rule number one of the NBA is stop shooting. You know? <laughs> totally. And so McDaniels has to stop shooting for a while, you know, or as he began to do a little bit last night, put it on the deck every now and then, because everybody has scouted him for that catch and shoot corner three. Now, mm-hmm. um, you know, so he can be pretty good. He also did a cut last night. I think he got a bucket off of a cut. That was nice to see. But I do think at the end of the day, if D'Lo is going to be an early shooter, he's going to have to be making those shots. And if he doesn't, then somebody's going to have to go to him and say, either give up the rock so that the offense gets more involved in a different way or take a seat, you know? Um, and I, I, I actually think that the beginning, the, the beginning of the offensive problems are with D'Lo, uh, who's also – inexplicably out of focus on turnovers early. Very I mean, bizarre. He's, thrown, he's, he's thrown the ball into the stands to nobody more in these first six games than I saw him in the previous year and a half he played. Right. You know? Yeah, it's uh, that's becoming a weird one, what's going on in his head. And I obviously he had the line of, I felt like I forgot how to play basketball in that one game. It's, I, I think we talked about this last week, too. It's probably been one of my biggest surprises of the season is just that D'Lo has come out not engaged in the way. I, I From all his contract year talk at you know lead in training camp and that sort of thing, I think the aggressive... He's cheering on the sidelines. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. it just... I really did not expect this to happen with D'Lo, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this right now are like, I did, you know? And and those are probably the same people who are like, oh, the Wolves are for, for sure going to win in the second half against Orlando. Um, yeah. You know, now that Delo's not playing with his injury, but I, I don't know. There, there's obviously there's multiple ways to look at at the the Delo situation. There's the big picture of you know years down the line of whether or not this is the right type of big three to have on your team. And you know, I feel like that's kind of a conversation for another day, um, another month. <laughs> at least at least we got some time there i mean let's see let's get the you know i mean finch keeps saying you know he, right. uh, he just happens to have started the season in a slump everybody right. has slumps which is a, a pretty cliche you know kick the can down the road excuse um but what else is he gonna say yeah i was right gonna say now? that's I mean, some protecting you know, there I, yeah. I 
what I was going to say, though, is the second part of it is he is a huge part of the reality right now. And through, you know, the talent that he does have, but also the belief he has in his talent where, like you said, he's not going to stop shooting. The offense is not going to stop, you know, running through the point guard in in D'Angelo Russell. Like the reality right now is he is on this team and second in the team in shots per minute behind Anthony Edwards ahead of Carl Anthony Towns. So whether you like him or not, like you got to be able to put that aside to figure out, you know, or just realize that he's a big part of, of what this this team is going forward. I think any sort of, oh, he needs to come off the bench or he needs to do this and that like, right, th- right. he you know, he needs to play the way he's playing and he needs to play it better. And Carl has to help him with that. Ant has to help him with that. Finch has to help him with that. And he has to help himself. Um, Chris Finch did say today at practice uh, that he he hinted pretty strongly that D'Lo is not going to play tomorrow. Uh, yeah, he did I think not. That's that's wise, right? And I just because I got to mix in an ad break here. Let, let's get to that because I think that translates well into your second part of your article, which was about how how Chris Finch has put together this rotation, which now is going to really change with D'Angelo yep. Russell out of the lineup. Today's show is brought to you by 20 by 20 Solutions. It's hard to win in today's game. A great front office puts together a winning team with a coach who can put together a winning strategy. When leadership does its job and it all comes together, that means success. Players find opportunity to succeed, relationships to gel, and the team and organization is greater than the sum of their parts. It's not easy, but at the end of the day, the results speak for themselves. Success in business isn't any different. Business leaders need to find the right mix of technology, strategy, and talent to make things really work and that's never been truer for growing companies. 20 by 20 Solutions is a Minneapolis-based technology consulting company that works with you to help put the right pieces together to build and sustain success. Their team has helped grow companies from thousands of customers to tens of millions by helping businesses better leverage technology and empower their employees. Whether companies are building a public technology platform or improving their internal workflow, 20 by 20 Solutions can help triage and mitigate obstacles that are keeping your company from reaching the next level. 20 by 20 solutions engineers and leadership have helped companies grow across a wide range of industries from consumer technology and healthcare to manufacturing and even human spaceflight. They care about making things better and the first chat is always free. If your company is facing growth and you're trying to figure out how to keep it going, reach out to team at 20 by 20 solutions.com. The first conversations are always free and the 20 by 20 solutions team review your needs and help you put a plan together before you need to make any commitments. Again, reach out to team, T-E-A-M, at 20by20solutions, that's 20x20solutions.com, today to keep your company on the path to success. 20by20solutions, technology, workflow, architecture, strategy. They're your sixth man on a winning team. All right, we're back talking with Britt Robson of MinPost, reacting to the dismal loss against the Orlando Magic, but looking forward to, you know, I think we both are holding on to kernels of optimism with this team. And I don't know, mine is not a, not a, I'm not white knuckling grip onto that, but I think we're about to see, I think we're going to put these first six games in a chapter. And I think that chapter is going to be somewhat defined by uh, who's playing in this next handful of games. Patrick Beverly played, and participated in practice today. Nasri participated in practice today. So I think maybe a bullet dodge there and that those guys are going to remain in the rotation. But it seems likely that D'Angelo Russell will not, which opens up a whole shift 
in in what this team's identity will be in terms of who's playing and who's playing with who. So Britt, just like throwing it to you, let's assume let's assume no Delo in these two games against the Clippers. Sure. How do you go about approaching that? Well, I love the fact that Pat Bev gets his starts against his old team. <laughs> do you think Pat Bev will start? Part of me thinks it might be J Mac. Kind of like the, I mean, the idea of leaving him in the role sort of thing. We see that around the league. Yeah, I know. Uh, the problem I don't know. is, I mean, the, I think one of the reasons you would do that is to, you know, it's like the backup quarterback controversy. You don't want Pat Bev to come in and do a really great job and have <laughs> all this big furor over right. he should start over D'Lo. Um I don't know. I mean, I guess to be honest with you, I would have been more willing to see that happen before I saw last night's fourth quarter where, you know, Cole Anthony just roasted Jordan McLaughlin. I mean, just, Mm -hmm. you know, Jordan McLaughlin, I think tried decently hard. He just did not have the size or the quickness to get out on the three point shot or, you know, (laughs) against gigantic Cole Anthony. (laughs) Well, I mean, for whatever reason, Cole Anthony had clear looks. And, um, well, man, that that's without Beverly, that's what this team is missing. You know, I just kind of going back and look at the wolves got cooked in pick and roll the whole game. Uh, and that has been something that I've been most encouraged about with this defense is controlling the point of attack this year. And really it it, uh, not doesn't take calculus here. Like that's Patrick Beverly. He's the, he's the best point of attack defender cats ever played with. Maybe Jimmy, but I totally agree with that. I would also argue that D'Lo has not been terrible. And that is, a frankly, a surprise to me. He hasn't been I great. would disagree. At, specific, to the, specific to the point of attack. I think there's different areas. We've talked about this before with D'Lo. Yeah, there's, no, I know. there's point of attack, I, there's off-ball, and there's in the post. And I think off-ball and in the post, he's he's fine. I think at point of attack, he's still terrible. I, I've seen more good point of attack defense out of D'Lo than I saw last year. And when he when he theoretically got better under Finch, um, yeah, there were times he's been undressed. When when Delo, the one of the reasons Delo has a, such a terrible defensive reputation is because when he gets roasted, everybody yeah. sees it. You know, True. I mean, I mean, he's just one of those guys that doesn't. I mean, like Malik Beasley, you see him running hard and hustling the wrong way sometimes, yeah. or you know, to you know. D'Lo sometimes, because he's a calculator. Um, Good word. That's true. When he when he guesses wrong, he doesn't make some big show of, oh, you know, I I'm wrong, but I was almost there again. You know. No, it's he let's go play offense. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, but there are occasions he's got a great twitch lean in. You know, it's not Covington-esque or like Beverly or anything, but he can um, – he, he he moves his arms better than his feet is actually the lame compliment yeah. I'm giving him. But uh, I, And I'm not saying he's overall been, overall been bad. It's it's just been an interesting insight, I think, overall to the changes in this defense. I thought right. in past years when the Wolves were playing drop, the point of attack defense was just way more important in that situation, right? Like that's the right. that's the Josh right. Okogie. You got to you got to stay glued onto the guy's hip. You can't right. you can't give up any space on that screen. Right. That's the rear view contest, right? Right. That's now what you want. That's a, right. That's a that's a ton of work. But so I thought this year, 
there was going to be less importance on the point of attack because you have Cat, you have Nas out there. You can be a half a step behind and the big can slow it down. When you're in drop, the big can't slow it down. So I thought, you know, it was going to be easier sort of role. But I thought last night was really illuminating to me as I'm still getting used to this scheme in you still got to stay pretty connected to the guy's hip because right. because that what they did and what, you know, if I was, you know, if I was the Clippers and I'm watching this, I'm watching this magic game, I'm attacking the middle of the floor constantly. I'm looking to get to the pocket pass every single time. I'm looking to have, you know, whether it's probably Reggie Jackson, right? Just get in there, just work in, cut in between the guard and the big. That's where you pick apart this Wolves defense right now. And, and Reggie take, Jackson has always been a great pick and roll ball handler. He's good at that. He is. He he's good at that. So that um, and now as we're, I guess I'm just kind of thinking about this out loud. We looked at that matchup. Maybe you want to match up Patrick Beverly's minutes with Reggie Jackson as much as possible because they know each other. That's for sure. <laughs> they for sure know each other. I get yeah. The the other initial, but Paul George is great at that too. You know yeah. they'll have they'll have Paul George initiate it. So, um, you know. I, I, guess, I guess what I'm just saying is I thought last night in the sixth game of the season, we saw the Wolves defense be exposed a little bit, not just in terms of effort. That was probably the biggest thing. They weren't getting their contests the way they were. Right. But also, for the first time, I think we kind of saw the playbook. Um, it was a similar one to what the Pelicans did, you know, hitting Valanchunas there. Right, Devontae right. Graham, again, while guarded by D'Lo, really struggled. Patrick Beverly comes in. He's guarding Graham. He's guarding Kira Lewis. Like, He's locking that up. So it's right. it's it's really important to this defense, the point of attack. And Patrick Beverly has, has always been, but remains, you know, right. really, really special in that in that area. And particularly if D'Lo is about to miss some time, like he's gonna be, you know, he's gonna be huge there. In- he is gonna be huge. If he's healthy. I mean, that's the thing. And I worry about overplaying him, quite frankly. Um fair. I, I would actually um I mean he's missed a third of the games thus far. Yeah. Well, and 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 and, and I think for cautionary well one is a suspension and one is for cautionary reasons. Um but I I don't want to expect 30 minutes a night 70 games a season for him. I yeah. don't think I think that's unrealistic. So if you do burn him, I mean, you have to burn him some. I mean, it, unless you want, you know, Anthony Edwards to be your playmaker or Jalen Noel off the bench, who, you know, I know you and I had a little spat about that last night. I still think he's he's not a bad option if if McLaughlin is getting roasted. Um, but uh, I agree that Pat Beverly is – a real X factor in, in ways that the more you know about basketball, the more you appreciate how important he is to this team as a guy who talks to everybody, as a guy who finds people um, uh, much better. He, he, his shot selection sometimes looks wayward because he'll take a shot early in the clock, but he doesn't, shoot unless he's open or unless he thinks he can, you know, get to the hoop and, and follow or dish. Right. He just, he's, um, if he had more court vision and speed, 
he'd be an excellent point guard. He's not an excellent point guard because he's limited. He's just not a great athlete on mm -hmm. offense. He's a pretty good athlete on defense because it requires more just grit. But offense isn't about grit as much. And so he's got he makes the simple play. He makes, he makes simple the play. simple. He makes the right decision on a simple play more than anybody on the team. More than anybody in the league right now, statistically. <laughs> is I that mean, right? It, yeah, it, it was. Well, this is maybe two games ago, but it was any any half in the half court like action that Patrick Beverly either shot, passed, or turned the ball over. Um, he was generating something like one point eight points. <laughs> per possession, which is number one in the league in that time. And I know it was yeah. only, I think it was four games in for him. Yeah. But so probably like 48 possessions. And, and guys happen to be, you know, when he's passing guys got a hit, you know, he's right, gotten right. some good luck that, you know, Torian Prince has made, those have been the but ones that's, that's made. That's no guarantee on this Wolves team though. Maybe no, it's right. the quality of his passes. No. It, yeah. It, 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 it certainly, it, it certainly could be. So I, the, the Pat Bev thing obviously is, is huge. And I'll, I'll be curious to see, assuming no Delo, how, how Finch handles that. What I thought was interesting today is, is Jace asked him about now, do you have to stagger no deal? Or do you have to stagger cat and ant and cat and ant have played 89% of their minutes together on the floor this season or 89% of cats minutes. And I don't think that's a great idea. Yeah. Well, that's what Finch was like. We maybe needed to stagger them more anyways. So he goes that, right. you know, that's what Good. we'll do. I, I love it when Finch is thinking the same way I'm thinking only a little ahead of me. <laughs> So, so what he said was, was Ant out early? Cat still does his his long run, and then it's Ant with the second unit. How do you think that will go? I think it works really well if McLaughlin is is coming on. It's another reason I want McLaughlin coming off the bench then, All right. because I don't think that McLaughlin needs to get Cat off as much as he needs to get Ant off. Um. I don't like Ant dribbling out on the perimeter because he's really apt to jack one up. And sure. uh, I'd much rather he gets a catch and shoot on the move, not catch and shoot station someplace. Very rarely does he get the ball in a catch and shoot situation and go right away to the hoop. And I really think that if there is one thing yeah, you I about would, had a conniption when he wasn't doing that last night. Oh my God. Well, I mean, it's just the guy is a bad three point shooter. That's just the way it is. I mean, his mm -hmm. career is 32.7%. Nobody thought he was a good three point shooter coming into the NBA. And I know he thinks he's a better three point shooter because he worked on it so hard. Well, let summer. me pause you right there. That is the, that is the concerning part of it to me is is that, I mean, he's been asked, anytime people ask him the question about attacking the rim versus, quote-unquote, settling for the jumper, it's that, I mean, everyone Doesn't sees... Doesn't like the word settle, right? He hates the word settle. Um, you know, charismatic which, which ant, that's the does. one time he'll he'll get, you know, he'll get, he'll get pretty ticked, which, I mean, not going to be the only star scorer in the league who has a greater belief in his shot than, than reality of it. If, if right. that's, if that's what transpires right. that Paul would, George. well, sure. <laughs> yeah, that is actually a really good example. I, I just, he is going to need to be a very good shooter to be a very good player in this league too. So, so this is by no means, I think are either of you saying, or either of us saying, just put your head down and go every single time. Like, right. 
he he needs to have that. He needs to kind of be the Luca, right? And ha- he has to have the step back in his game. He has to. They need. But he him. has it ass backwards. He basically says, yes. "My three will open up the lane." Mm-hmm. I will tell you, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm saying give him unless he's on one of his patented rolls, right? Adjust yep. it like two or three in a row. Just let him keep shooting. You know, mm-hmm. if Ant goes four for 13 from three-point range or, or three for 11 from three-point range, that's 11 possessions. He's not going downhill at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I got to think that if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take what, you know, what that takes away. That means he's not getting Cat involved. He's not getting D'Lo involved. And he's not, not getting the other shooters him, hot. Yeah, for he's sure. Not getting himself involved, you know, in the paint. Um, and he's he shot. I, I tweeted out 18 last night. I just looked that up uh, the, today and it's 20. So it's 3.2 uh, free throws per game. But mm-hmm. 20 free throws in six games, you know, with the amount of playing time, he leads the team in minutes. He leads the team in shots. Um he just needs to get to the line more. He needs to uh, remember the violent collisions that Ant got into uh, pretty much the entire year last year. It was mm-hmm. probably a little bit more frequent earlier in the season because he did get better from three-point range. But his ability to take on his self-proclaimed football persona and his ability to take on defenders was a wonderful thing. You, you know, you began to think that, you know, you had a Luka Doncic in that sense, in that this guy was going to go for the contact and, you know, and maybe get the end one through the contact, but at the very least compel defenders to follow him. That's not happening now. I mean, he does this uh, really wonderful, tricky up and under left-handed move and it's a joy to see, and it often goes in, but there's no foul there either. And right. so, it you know who be he great. is, Britt? You know, you know who he is, or, or who he should be moving in the direction of. And it really reminds me of him is Bradley Beal, where uh-huh. Bradley Beal wants to do the shot first. That is, that is his preference, but he understands that the game calls for more physicality from him at time and attacking, and he'll crash. And it's fun. Like Bradley Beal wears it totally wears his whatever's going on in his head he wears like on his face right exactly and, and you can you can see he's a lot of fun to watch right he is uh, you can see he gets pissed off when he get when he even when he does get fouled and shot because he's you know he's taking the hit and I you know I get that that has that has right. some grading on it but on the other hand an important distinction I think is that Bradley Beal came into the league as a drop dead shooter sure not as no. a guy who 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 hits the rim you know he he. Well, Bradley Beal is just a lot game. better than Anthony Edwards right now. This right is now. this is totally aspirational. What what I'm saying, it, my aspiration for Ant is is that awareness that Bradley Beal has, who still he prefers the shot, you know, and yes, that that's o- that's okay. And Ant can prefer the shot, but he needs to understand that the game is going to require him to get beat up a little bit to be, have some more success. Yeah, and my greater point here isn't so much a comparison of Beal and Edwards in that sense as Beal is even more selfless in that his internal identity coming into the league was, I'm going to torch you from outside. 
And the thing he added to his game was the contact Mm -hmm. and, you know, getting that. Whereas Ant's identity coming into the league, everybody said, you know, the guy. No, but that's external identity. That his external identity (laughs) was that he was not a shooter. His internal identity has never wavered. That that matters, man. That totally matters. Uh, I know. that's, That's too bad. That's a red flag. Yeah. I mean, it's but a red flag in a 20 year old, you know. Yeah, I know. So it's it's just it's an area for improvement. And it makes sense that, a you know, a 20 year old has an area for improvement more. So I'm curious to like, who's going to be in his ear because he's pretty adamant in his belief that he's doing he's striking the right bounce or close to the right bounce right now. Can Chris Finch be that guy, you know, right to, right. to, to find a better balance for him or cat or, or whoever, Patrick you know? Beverly? who really does, mm-hmm. uh, <coughs> excuse me, have a um, a plain spokenness about him, but also a guy who has tailored his game to fit, you know, what is necessary. Yeah, interesting. You know, maybe he can get to him. I don't know. It's uh, Rubio, you know, I mean, rare to say this. Uh, Rubio would have done it by now, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know whether, you know, he would have listened to Rubio. Um, but... Yeah, it's uh, um, the idea that he's shooting over nine threes a game yeah. is just it, it, it's well, it, he's taken it's, more. He's taken more shots from behind the three point arc than he has at the rim this season. Yes. And and uh, he may have actually he may be uh, I'll probably be wrong about this. I haven't looked it up. He may have more three point attempts than Bradley Beal, which, <laughs> yeah. you know, it would be just really badly ironic you know so uh you know for all i know beal leads the league in three-point attempts but uh, <laughs> yeah i'm not, I'm not I mean, sure either. he's got such a high usage you know but again we are talking in a roundabout way about what the offense needs to do to get going and how will changes be made with delo out the answer to both of those questions in my view is anthony edwards putting it on the deck and getting the team to the free throw line Mm -hmm. uh, through getting fouls and getting respect enough where that three-point shot becomes the counter punch rather than the opening punch. And that's when Ant is at his best. I mean, you know, when when he Undeniably so, yeah. When he's dazzling at the rim – and then, oh, here we go! All of a sudden, he's gonna he's gonna rain threes on you now. Um, that's when that's it's a wrap. The, you know, yeah. That's <laughs> the Anthony Edwards experience, you know. <laughs> totally. Uh, let's take another quick break here. Then I want to talk. Let's talk some Finch specifics. Uh, All right. After a quick break. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. 
Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, back again here with Britt Robson of MinPost, who wrote a column today that you can find at MinPost.com on kind of bounced around a little bit. One area that that I found was interesting because you and I have been talking about this back and forth here on the pod, but also just at the games, uh, specific of specific to Chris Finch and what he is doing as a coach tied to what his power is in the organization. And you highlight the 11-man rotation, which is the minutia of, of what is really kind of a, a bigger political seat that he now that he now sits in here. Uh, explain that a little bit of, of where, sure. where you think Finch's power dynamic lies within the organization and how he is kind of imposing that on the, on the roster. I think it's, it's utterly unique to the Timberwolves. Uh, even, you know, Flip Saunders, uh, when he had both the Pobo and, you know, the other thing, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, I don't, I can't remember certainly a coach that has not coached a full season in the NBA <laughs> being the most powerful player and powerful uh, persona in a franchise. And some of it is just weird timing. I mean, if you look at the four guys above him on the player's side depth chart on the, on the uh, organizational basketball side, rather than the business side, you've got Glenn Taylor, who, as I write, is a lame duck octogenarian. You know, I mean, he's just somebody who is on his way out. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you of, defined that because I didn't know what that word meant. But oh, uh, now uh, I got uh, it. Uh, no, octogenarian is an 80-year-old. I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm a uh, septuagenarian. Okay. I'm 68. Uh, octa, I get it. All right. Or sexagenarian. Anyway, uh, and then Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez are – they're, you know, they're the owners on the come. They're the ones that are going to be the decision makers. But right 50, now, 50, 50 not, generians. <laughs> yeah, not only that, but um, as I, again, as I said in the piece, relative to their would-be NBA brethren or, you know, major sure. sport owner brethren, they're totally inexperienced and really don't have a lot of money, you know, and that's <laughs> that stuff matters to people on that stratosphere, you know, uh, they'll come in with a kind of a defensive chip on their shoulders because they're not billionaires to the best of my knowledge, you know? Mm -hmm. um, 
And, and that B word matters at that stratosphere. So, and then you have Gupta, who, you know, universally uh, respected, but still has the interim tag, hasn't done anything yet, is by nature uh, somebody who likes to listen, is not a powerful presence in terms of uh, what he is doing, at least yet. And into that void, uh, you have Finch, you know, who, by the way, has more power just because all four of the guys I just mentioned have professed great yeah. respect, if not love for him. And the players have done the same. We'll see if this keeps up, you know, whether that continues. But then on, on the roster side, Cat and D'Lo are your max guys, but their stars have been tarnished in the last two or three years, both by injuries and losing. Uh, and so they haven't been around for a lot of it. And when they are around, it doesn't necessarily lead to success. So both of them came into the league with much better reputations than they now hold. And so they are themselves looking for a way to be redeemed. And Finch is the person that can put that, you know, in the driver's seat. And then you've got Ant, another guy who's going to be the face of the franchise. I think most people believe, and I believe, um, but he's 20 years old. And he, as we just got through talking about, he's got a lot of things to learn first. So there is kind of a vacuum, both on the roster and within the, you know, higher echelons of the front office. And you've got Chris Finch, who I think did a brilliant job of, uh, not on purpose, it just happened this way, of escaping the stain of the guy who went out of his way to hire him. Uh, you know, Gerson Rosas hired Finch at the lowest point before he got canned for scandalous things, which I imagine you'd have to call a low point. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> at the time, you know, when, when, when Rosas hired Finch, the Wolves had the worst record in the NBA. And, well, uh, and a fan base who was just extremely fed up with the incumbent head coach at, at that right. time. And, I mean, not only did he have the worst record in the NBA, but he didn't have a first-round pick unless it was top three protected. So people were thinking, all got worse, yeah. you know, this guy, you know. <laughs> so in comes Finch, and all of a sudden, I mean, the change was pretty dramatic. You know, all of a sudden, power forward position was being a little bit redefined uh three-point shooting and where people are on the floor being a little bit the you know redefined the defense certainly uh very very tilted toward a different way especially on the perimeter um and the team got better now some of it was luck uh because it coincided dovetailed with cat and Dilo finally getting mm -hmm. back on the court together but he had Delo's respect, which, as Ryan Saunders learned, was very important. And um, he had Cat's respect at a time when everybody was worried about how Cat would respond to Ryan being axed. Um, so the greater point is, in less than a year's time, Chris Finch has become a guy who can say to all the executives, agents, sneaker companies, all this stuff. Hey, I'm the captain your guy, now. Your guy is going to get the minutes that I think are the right minutes to give him. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be in competition with 10 other players for those minutes. 
which is pretty unheard of. I mean, as you know, because you're a real skeptic of it, uh, 11-man rotation is a hard thing to pull off. And yet the Wolves are in a, a wonderful position to try it because, you know, they, they have this situation and they also have like about four or five guys who could be the seventh man or the 11th man. Right. Uh, so you know what you know what an interesting thing to me that that I just kind of came across in my head yesterday was it, it's just the way that Finch is presenting the material is so much different than the way Gerson was presenting the material, um, and it's coming off I think as much more genuine, uh, not just to us in the media but but to those receiving it. But really messaging is what it is like Finch is doing the things Gerson Rosa has always talked about doing like this team mm-hmm. leads the league Shot selection right leads the league in three-point attempts leads the league in frequency of three-point attempts leads the league in corner three frequency is when I looked it up yesterday it was 29th in mid-range frequency we're talking mm-hmm. about them wanting to go to the rim more but yesterday when I looked it up they were eighth in frequency at the rim and when I looked it up yesterday they were Top three, they're third in the league in pace, I believe. That's the that's the Gerson Rosa's playbook. But right, the difference right. is, is there's not these fucking corny stickers on the court that are there right. that have the 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 points in different yeah, color coded. Right. They were all right. out there for optics, you know. Yeah, the was, Andrew Wiggins primer. Yeah, it it, it was just I I didn't even realize it's this is coming off as much more authentic and normal and just getting to where they want to be by actually doing it and not just saying what they're what they're going to do and that that's not that's not me you know complicate or complimenting right. the results or anything like this team's three and three they just lost in the magic last night who right. do not have very many good players but it's when i think about you talking about how chris finch is kind of running the show like I'm just realizing that the show is being run completely differently. And I mean, first of all, that is a great point. That's a great point that in many respects, the Rosas agenda (laughs) is moving forward in terms of style of play. I think a huge difference in the presentation, which you were also, I think, shrewd to point out is the biggest difference. But what Finch says is, I'm not interested in process. I'm interested in result. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if if you can get a shot at the three-point arc or a shot at the rim or whatever, I'm not going to demand that you do X, Y, and Z to get result A. You can do Q, you know, W and, and I to get to that result, you know, and I'm fine with it. It's up to you. I trust your skill set and your decision making, which right. is what he, you know, is the one thing that he has brought with him from everywhere he's been, is he likes to entrust players. I mean, when I did that big interview, I was prepping for that Las Vegas interview with him. And I, you know, I, I really got deep into his bio and what other people have said about him. And all along, his whole deal is um, the way players have success will teach me how to structure the organ, you know, the, the, the offense. If if this is what they're comfortable doing, well, you know, we'll we'll work that in. That's you know, that'll be our play call. Our play call will be what this guy is doing well anyway, you know. 
And I think that if you have a coach that gives you that and then says, oh, and by the way, as you're doing this, I would like these types of results, mm. you know, or these, you know, I, th I think a player will meet a coach halfway on that because the last thing in the world you want is, you know, the whole do it this way, you know, you, you know, yeah, you scored on two guys, but you know, you didn't do this or that. Well, you know, you scored and that's well, the way Finch, Finch and, is. And, you know? and thus far they are doing it. Yeah. They, they, they are whatever it is. And, and it, it might just, just be as simple. Well. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, but like the, the execution of things is happening because right. the coach is the one who's telling them to do it rather than the president of basketball operations or the president yes, of basketball well. operations. Right. Like you, you literally drill these things into players by running drills to pattern a behavior from them. What Gerson Rosas was doing was, was trying to pattern behavior by the way he shaped the roster. And yes, to like some extent, that is going to force your hand. Like and if you have all small through, guys, through, you're going to play fast. And through locker room talks and slipped game notes. And, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, Rosas right. was way too involved with things. Uh, you know what I'm interested to see, though, and a, a collision coming with this, because as much as we're saying that Chris Finch is in charge right now, Chris Finch is not in charge. Sasha Gupta is in charge of how this roster is is going to be put together going forward. I see you giving me a look right there like you're about to question it. But let me finish. It's a love fest. I, I think it's a love fest. It will. It will. I will be. I am very much looking forward to the the first disagreement uh, because I think it will be revealing. But I also think that uh, I'm looking forward to the first illustration by Gupta of a disagreement he has with the way that Rosa's put the team together, because those two guys have different ideals for how to build a roster in the NBA. And I think the beauty of, uh, Finch in that particular instance is he will be less concerned. I don't, I don't think Finch is going to fight for personnel as much as he will fight for approach. I think Finch wants his approach. He'll work with whoever he has, I mm -hmm. think. And I think that he is right now without he, a power forward or with, you know, very few <laughs> exactly. options. Like, right. And that comes from I mean, his background in the, you know, the G League and and all those sort of things. Like he's had to make it worth work with limited things. Yet at the same time, like, I mean, you and I are there interviewing him through training camp. Like, he wore the eye roll on his face whenever the power <laughs> forward question was raised. It's so abundantly clear that that's not the way he would put a roster together if he doesn't have right. it. Now, now that isn't him throwing shade at. Vanderbilt or a Kogi or whatever. I actually think, you no. know, I think he, he likes those. He's those actually guys, made but he, the best of the situation. I mean, when yeah. people say we don't have a power forward, we do have a power forward type on this team and it is not a great fit, but it's worked better than anybody has a right. I mean, the offense isn't stalling because Okogi and Vanderbilt can't shoot in my opinion. no. no. Uh, and and so They're just bench and, the guys. and the defense is humming because one of those guys is usually on the floor, mm -hmm. you know, mucking shit up. And so 
you know, I think it's been, uh, I mean, let's face it. If there was a, a, a real live, well-rounded power forward, it would greatly help this team. Mm-hmm. But um, it's right now, um, I, I it's a lack of a power forward. I don't think is as big of an issue as getting the stars oh, right, 100%. both in terms of their execution and their shot selection. Mm-hmm. You know what I thought was kind of interesting last night? I, I thought Jamal Mosley coached, coached a really good game for Orlando. And, and I, I said before, I think that Orlando team is better than the real other crap teams in the league. Uh, I, I thought they attacked the Wolves defense. Well, we talked about that before. I thought it was a really smart wrinkle to to put Bomba on Vanderbilt the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, and have agree. Wendell Carter go on cat. And I I do want now not every team is gonna be have a Wendell Carter's a big boy, you know, at power four. Right. Not every team's right. gonna have that. But I wonder if more teams aren't gonna put their rim protector on on Vanderbilt, who's lurking in the dunker spot, so their Bomba or center sort of guy can kind of, you know, roam and be that be that rim deterrent a little bit more. And then they're gonna roll the dice by putting a power forward on you know on cat like i was kind of thinking about the clippers won't do that because you know they'll put zubats on on cat so i don't think we'll we'll see it in the next two you you asked me to look you know we were going to talk about the clippers and uh i'm i'm less of a look ahead guy than you are than most people are quite frankly but i did you know do some this afternoon and uh as i was thinking about things the Wolves are really, really, well, I, I, I think they're really, really lucky that Marcus Morris Sr. is not oh, totally probably not going to suit up totally because he is a matchup nightmare for this team. I don't because well, it's how. it's a guy who can guard cat and and, and you can yeah, a guy yeah, yeah. can shoot it. Both neither cat nor Vando will defend him well if he's hitting mm. from three. Right. I mean, it just he knows how to you know, bang in the paint and then fly to the outside. Right. It's just a different kind of player, you know? And he he also has got a snarly side to him that would get under cat skin and, and get fouls on mm-hmm. Vando. I mean, if he plays, I think it's worth three or four points uh, to the Clippers. Just his presence is a bad, is a bad thing. And meanwhile, I mean, they got a guy like Batum who also is is a little problematical for a guy like Vando or Cat, depending on how Right, well, that, that's what I was just kind of thinking, is I was like, maybe you do put Zubats on Vanderbilt and just leave him by the rim and, and have, you Batum have Batum, Batum, or like the next game is Memphis. And, you know, I mean, every team that Cat's played that Steven Adams has ever been on, like obviously Steven Adams is going to guard Cat. But a lot of the times, Cat exploits Steven Adams just by shooting threes. Right. against him like if you're hey, Memphis, it's a twin towers get nods out there nods love steven then <laughs> yeah, i remember that I, I just i do wonder if that will be an adjustment going forward where will memphis put jaron jackson on cat kyle anderson on cat like you know yeah at, at right. some right. point I, and i don't think we really know this yet because cat's having a good year but what is the true impact of cat losing 20 pounds like right right is is that part of the reason why his number his rebounding numbers are down? Like, I don't know if we have enough of a sample to say that you know Vando's out there but now he too. Is, he is on the perimeter more on defense. So yeah, I, right. are, his, are his offensive rebounding numbers down or his defensive rebounding? Numbers? I think it's his, I think it's his defensive ones when I when yeah. I was looking so, at. So it. that would make more sense if his offensive re- 
rebounding numbers are down. That would be a sign that um, he's getting muscled, I think, mm-hmm. a little bit more. Um, I guess there's just a lot of different ways you can get muscled. And, and you know, to be fair, maybe right. this, this side, I'm not even saying that it's like a net loss that Cat has like lost weight. He, you know, being in better shape is going to be a good thing. It's going to make him better off right. the dribble, you know, better stamina, all those those sorts of things. But to any to any change is an opportunity cost, right? So I uh, I just wonder now, like putting Nick Batum on Cat uh, 12 or 24 months ago when Cat weighed 20, 25 more pounds. Like that's a that's a that's a different calculation now. If Cat and weighs two forty, I think Batoon's listed weight may be a little low. I mean, that yeah. guy really He's a big boy. Yeah. Up. yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's just I, I I again I don't have any sort of like con- conclusion from it. But as I was thinking, I was like, that was a good way to use Bamba. Um, right. Again, you know, who's not a good. I'm not saying he's a good player, but right. he's tall. He's long. You know. I mean, like that's right. That's uh, right. Yeah. He's got terrible, terrible hands. But, you know, like like the rest of the team, they got confident as the Wolves kept letting them back into the game. Yeah, so, they did. you know, it, it did get to be a situation. Now, when you look at the Clippers, yeah, that's I, really li- I really like Terrence Mann. Uh, uh, Luke Kennard has been, uh, I think, a, a, they were grooming him to, you know, be more of a, a figure once Kawhi went down. And I think he's looked pretty good. Um, I, I, from what I understand, um, uh, Zubak is, his, Zubak's net rating is way down. I don't know if that's a sign of anything or not. Mm-hmm. And Reggie Jackson, um, it would not surprise me if Reggie Jackson regresses a little, just because I think he's one of those Rondo-esque super playoff guys, you know, <laughs> who really yeah. gets up for, uh, more meaningful games, but. They they are not playing that well. They're 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 actually uh, they're ahead of the wolves who are really good on defense. They're ahead of the wolves in defensive rating. And well, I was gonna behind. I was gonna say to you 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 got to use the cleaning the glass numbers, man. The wolves defense is a lot better with cleaning the glass. You know, filtering out uh, filtering out that fourth quarter against the Rockets gives the yeah. wolves defense a big boost, which I think makes yeah, sense. That was a second, blowout, right? Yeah, right now they're they they now the, they're probably fourth or fifth, right? Third, they're they're still third because oh, because okay. the end of probably the, I think the last six minutes of last night's game probably got filtered <laughs> out too because that was garbage time because yeah. they'd already screwed things up. Right? <laughs> they already screwed it up, yeah. Um, but but yeah, no, the Clippers have been. Uh, I looked it up. They're seventh on defense this year, twenty sixth on offense. Kind of like having the same sort of weird year though. The Wolves, you would have thought that those would have been flipped. Although just like more clear cut reason, right? I mean, yeah, Morris is true. hurt. Kawhi's out. Mm-hmm. Paul George, you know, uh, is he's a, an enigma, man. I mean, I don't know. Paul George I mean, he's is getting buckets, but yeah, but he's never the, the, the idea of Paul George is almost always better than the reality of Paul George for whatever reason. I don't understand. Past it. couple years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean yeah. Indiana. I mean Paul Indiana, George. yeah, or or Indiana, OKC, yeah. and it really helped that he had uh, the big dude there, um, Hibbert, Roy Hibbert. Yeah, Roy <laughs> Hibbert actually yeah. really made a difference because right. no, he, true. Paul George could play that uh, hounding defense without worrying about the guy getting past him. Mm-hmm. I I think yeah. Again, the Clippers just have been very similar too, where they're not making their threes at all. Remember last year, you look at the. The, the oh, Clippers stats and they had, had like, like eight seven guys. guys over 40%. Yeah. I was insane. So so they're they're doing the same thing. I'm sure they're 
I'm sure Ty Lue is saying the same thing Chris Finch is saying. Oh, it's about to turn, you know, like you sit at the blackjack table long enough, it turns. Um, that That's what the, the Clippers are feeling right now, too, because they're they're not making their threes either. But but they're just a, they're just kind of a bizarre group. Um, right. I mean, Eric Bledsoe has just been asserted into a role Speaking that's so much terror. bigger. Yeah, it, it's oh. just. Uh, yeah. I, I praised him. I mean, when the Clippers got him, I thought it was a good idea. It's a really bad take in retrospect. Um, I still was enamored with, I mean, let alone Clipper, former Clipper, Eric Bledsoe, early Bucks, Eric mm-hmm. Bledsoe. But he, this will be his third straight year. He is, he has looked bad. And so I just have to, uh, you know, accept the fact mm-hmm. that he's not going to get better. You know, it, sometimes guys who have, blossomed in front of your eyes you're you're one of the last to really take stock in the idea that they're not the player they were and mm. i think that's my bias with Bledsoe. i always love the way he plays but what i've seen of him last year with the pelicans and this year with the clippers he's just been bad yeah. and uh terrence mann is he deserves every single minute that they want to play him over Bledsoe. if you're going to have reggie jackson at the point uh, you can have man as your swing man. I think he works as well as a two as he would a three. Um, I really like his energy. I like his fearlessness. Um, and he is somebody that if Ant is on him, that's going to be a deceptively close matchup. Mm. I, uh, it was, it, the Wolves played the Clippers in the preseason, right? And, and that was right. when I, you and I both were big in like what's going to be the defensive plan, sort of thing, right? We were right. still we're still sleuthing that, um, and I thought it was just a it, it was a preseason game, so I guess winning wasn't at a premium. But I was like, this is such a terrible idea. Like they're constantly running Bledsoe and Zubats pick and rolls, <laughs> and you're like hard hedging them out on the you know out of the perimeter. Right. It's like, right. eh, what what is Bledsoe? You're not worried about coming off pulling off the pick and roll, like let, exactly. let him come or right. Zubats isn't going to pop at all sort of there. So right. It, right. What we're, and, and to be fair, Finch said this all year. It's like, okay, yeah, like, yeah, we're adding this to our defensive scheme, but we're not exclusively going to be playing like bats out of hell right. up at the level. Those, those sort of things right. they've, right. uh, you know, we saw it against the Pelicans, right? They, right. when they're playing Valanciunas, they try. Valanciunas, so I, I would, right. I would assume it goes back to that against Zubats and that like, th- yeah, kind of be like the Pelicans game. But at the same time, then is it Paul George running the action? Is it, is it Reggie Jackson? Like you got to kind of defend those sort of differently. And what the Wolves have kind of done game to game has been pretty dogmatic with what they're doing that game. And I think right. the Clippers, when I was watching them, I was like, I think this is an opponent that you need to adjust your scheme based on the personnel that the Clippers have on the floor, but also who's initiating the action. Absolutely. Well, I mean, Bledsoe every now and then is just a catch and shoot three guy. And then sometimes he's a playmaker on that. Right. Team. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge difference. <laughs> yeah. It would be a perfect situation to just put d on him and then just bait them <laughs> into, <running>. you know, <laughs> go through Bledsoe, go through Bledsoe. You know what I mean? Uh, Did I say Bledsoe? I'm sorry. I meant Batum. Oh, but oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Sorry my about point that. Stands. Batum, <laughs> but yeah, no, but I mean, Batum, Batum sometimes is a playmaker for that team. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you can see him running around off the dribble, and then other times he's strictly 
out at the three-point line or when he crashes the boards. I don't know. I mean, sometimes you see him not, you know, really high usage games, but for a guy, yeah. you know, whenever you see Nick Batum kind of recalling his old days as a swing man in Portland or something, but yeah. um, they just have a, a lot of interesting pieces. And after being down on Ty Lu during his Cleveland stint, right. I thought he was just pretty much nothing more than LeBron James's Bobo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought he really, uh, he really impressed me the last two years sure. he's been in the playoffs. I mean, they've had early exits, but it wasn't because of Ty Lue. What do you, uh, what do you think is going to happen in these two games? Back to next two are against the Clippers. I think split. split. I do. I, and I, I, I think that, um, it will properly be regarded as a little bit of a letdown because there'll be four and four in their seven of their first eight games at home. And they will not have played good team. A really, really elite team, you know, mm-hmm. um, in that time. I mean, the Bucks, uh, you know, yeah, the Bucks it, was a good win, but also not like special. It was a, it was a really good win because I thought that, that uh, there was a lot of history there and bad matchups in terms of uh, uh, you know, but also not really because they didn't have. Holiday and Lopez, and I mean that was yeah, part of no, it. I get, there, I get there, there it. are it's a the, it's a good win. It's just kind of got a little bit of Swiss cheese to it, you know. Yeah, you know, I I I refuse to let go of the idea that it was a great win. Uh, well, just because I was just so you, you and the whole Timberwolves roster apparently. Well, I mean, what a defense! Oh, oh yeah, and uh, description that we we haven't gotten over the Milwaukee hangover. Well, speak for yourself, buddy. You know. <laughs> Because let's face it, you know, he hasn't been any good since then. So, right. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's it's going to be the these first eight games of, of the year. Um, well, you can only play who's in front of you, right? So I'm not, you know, right, I, right. I, I'm not ripping and the schedule. Again, you know, I mean, if this team shoots well and, and, and has some defensive discipline, they are going to be a formidable opponent right. that will, that will ambush some teams. Um, but this was six and two or five and three would have been a, a lot better, would have been a, a more concrete sign that this team will be relevant in the spring. Well, and five and three is not out. I mean, it's not out of the possibilities. I mean, they could no, win the next it, two. It, if they can beat the Clippers back to back, that that's a good, that's a big step, especially if Delo's out. And, um, you know, uh, it's, you know, it, all things are possible. And I just think we've kind of, we've kind of, uh, like turned down the, the fear meter on this team's rebounding after Vando had the really good bucks game. And I think some of that's warranted. Obviously he's a, he's a a strong rebounder himself helps the team's defense. They're still, they're still the worst rebounding team in the league thus far in terms of percentage and Zubats. Followed up by Isaiah Hartenstein off the bench is going to be like no Isaiah joke. Hartenstein is a offensive rebounding machine against the Wolves. He doesn't uh, play very often, but when he does, oh, that's he, his game. I remember he yeah. was off the bench for somebody. It wasn't the Clippers. It was somebody else, I think. Yeah, maybe I remember it was that. Houston. It was Houston. Okay, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And he went nuts. Nuts. I mean, he had thirteen had like, rebounds in like ten minutes or something. I remember right. that. Cat was and just beside himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was amazing. So, so I, I just I, I throw out that flare of like if it goes wrong, and if somehow it is the zero two, right? Where we're like, wait, how did we get here? We're, what we're going to be talking about, I think, then is 
wait, there still are some size problems to, the, or where that's going to re enter right. the vernacular. Some, and but, not closing out on Luke Kennard and mm-hmm. not defending the pick and roll with Reggie Jackson. And, uh, you know, yeah, I just don't uh, think all those bombs go able, off. Yeah. And not being able to, um, in a perfect world, um, if Vando, whoever has Zubox, should be able to make him uncomfortable uh, on defense. Um, Vando should run him ragged and, mm-hmm. and get cuts to the basket, and Cat should just wear him out on the perimeter. I mean, I don't. I think Zubox is a uh, is a more of a force, and this is kind of different than the way he plays against most teams. But I think he's more dangerous on offense against this team. Than he is on on defense, yeah. you know. Oh, I, I think, he, but can hold his own against Cat. I mean, he's he's not a slouch de- defense. Not no. that that's what you were saying either. But maybe for some people, haven't watched. No, I really like Zubac. I yeah. thought he should have started when Ibaka. You know, by mm-hmm. the way, when they get Ibaka back, that'll be kind of a big, big yeah. and Morris. I mean, imagine that team. It, it's. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the, again, but this is the Wolves getting good luck again, yeah. whether they're not they're not facing a team at full strength. And, and you know, to that end, they got at least win one of these, I feel like. And yeah, I, I, I believe they will. I, I'm with you. I would also predict. Well, if they don't, it's a four game losing streak going into a much tougher part of the schedule where you're mm-hmm. on the road a lot. Right. So I, that's I, not yeah. ideal. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. So I I, I don't have a I, I really I, I've been hot on my calls. I. I Picked the Bucks, the winning the Bucks game, and picked the the Magic losing the game. I, I just in watching, in watching those teams play. I did, did you to, pick Orlando to win that game? I did. Yeah. Oh, I I, I talked to you about. Uh, we were just casually talking about the Denver game, where I said I think they're going to beat Denver, and you said ah, I think lack of execution, they'll lose a close one down the stretch. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm and that, so Keter. that's three in a row. Then. Yeah, I don't have a good feel on this Clippers. All right, team. So what are you saying here? I, I honestly, split? I. I I, I would say split. I don't have a good feel on the Clippers, honestly, right now. And I haven't, I watched a lot more of those other teams. Just have, haven't, I've watched pieces of the Clippers and would, you know, I, I was watching this, but they played the, they played the Thunder last night and like barely squeaked that out. So, um, but you know what? Uh, their net rating is complicated by the fact that they just got blown out by the Blazers. I yeah. like a 30, 30, 30 loss. Yep. And then two games later, they beat them. Hey, and you know what I will say because I did watch that game. The Wolves are very similar to the Blazers. They are. If you yeah. if you if you kind of like go through it with the, I guess right, this is assuming right. Delo the Ant Ant the, Dame right Ant Dame, and then similar we'll call and, it Delo right right. And right. both teams have completely changed their defensive schemes in the same way. Like Chauncey's saying all the same things Finch has. So, you know, to to that end, I mean that's that's somewhat encouraging. But so much of this is going to be determined by who does you know who does play for the Wolves or specifically. Does Delo play, and and if so, you got to get the Milwaukee Delo in at least one of those games. I mean, it can't. It, it this has been ridiculous. I mean, five of the six have been really, really poor performances from him. And um, like you you've said a couple times today, it's like we're we're hitting on all this minutia, but it's kind of about this big three and those three figuring out together, and they haven't thus far. That's the biggest reason to me why this team's three and three right now. Because that's yes. the biggest reason why this team Especially is 23rd in offense. on offense. Yes. Because, I mean, they actually, the big three have actually played better defense than than I expected them to. 
Um, yeah. Not again. Neither Ant nor Delo are are playing better than average or even necessarily average defense. But I did not think either one of them was going to play good defense. And Cat, uh, I did expect what we've seen, which is pretty good effort. Yeah. And now, I mean, before we know, you know, I know we're going to wrap this up in a minute. I want to say that um, I thought Cat's performance uh, against the Pelicans where he just, his attitude really hurt the, this, this team. Um, I think since that game, he, you know, he has really done a great job. Um, he's had a very, very minor flare-ups. But he's had, you know, he's he's a he's a guy that the word on the league is, you know, bully him, you know, and the fact that he still occasionally gets bullied, but is now accepting it and fighting back in a really good way, and you know, I I have to hats off to him, um, you know, for doing that, and I've got to think that you know, Finch or Pat Bev or somebody has, you know talk to him or his dad oh, clearly you know. yeah clearly somebody got in this i mean he's changed he's changed his behavior completely it, it, and that's co- a big it, step yeah it, it coincided with about a week ago after somebody wrote an article about it I don't, I don't. <laughs> yeah well <laughs> i don't think that's uh i would not put myself in, in if i were guessing well, as to the reasons for why cat has changed his behavior uh i would be probably in with e all of the above rather than any specific uh letter well listen to his post-game press conference from last night because he talked about how nobody he doesn't need to read anything about uh Ah. people holding him accountable because he holds himself accountable so not saying (laughs) i'm just saying right gorillas in the midst (laughs) um all right check out brit's piece over at uh min post it is titled how to maintain a smidgen of optimism when the wolves seem determined to revert to their historic ineptitude. Another brief title there. Catchy over. headline. <laughs> On the other hand, to be accurate, fair. Accurate headline. And I want to say, you know, a shout out to MinPost. Uh, For sure. Post-pandemic, uh, there is no way in hell if I told the athletic that this is what I was going to write about, that I would get quote unquote permission to write something like this. Sure. It's a it's a nuanced concept piece that kind of meanders a little bit. It's exactly what I felt like writing. I've been thinking about trying to write this 11 man rotation and Finch's power position in the organization. Hmm. Knew I had to do something to address the Orlando game because otherwise it would look like I was I've been optimistic this season and I looked like I'd be hiding from the result. So I wanted to get that in and you know I, I just feel like uh, it is just a stone cold pleasure to be back in a situation, which I did have for mm-hmm. a while at the athletic and I've always had at min post of just being able to sit down and say, you know, what am I going to write about today? And then mm-hmm. write it and turn it in and have it come up, you know, right. not have to wait for a week to find out whether somebody I don't even know is, is thinking it's a good idea. Well, and I think too, Britt, like, uh, I mean, I'm I'm very obviously very much in support of supporting journalists and paying, you know, paying for their work. But I think a 
some people just aren't going to do that, period. They're not going to subscribe to The Athletic. And so I think some people haven't had the chance to read you for a while. So I think uh, this is an opportunity for people to to be able to see your writing this season and then, you know, maybe kind of reversing it, right? Seeing what you're doing and then going back right. the other way to support because you can support Min, Min Post uh, there. I mean, that's that, without that, that's right. you know, you don't have you don't have that platform. So right. I'm with you. Shout out. Shout out to Min Post. Check out Britt's, uh, Britt's piece there. We've got two more Clippers games coming up here for the rest of the week, closing out the first eight of the season. Britt, I'll be seeing you at those games, and I will be talking to all of you after that on Wednesday evening. Until then, he's Britt at Britt Robson on Twitter. I'm Dane at Dane Moore NBA. Until then, peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah.